0: What if Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't available at number four overall? What should the Cardinals do? Plus, is Hassan Redick available via trade? Conflicting reports. Let's discuss. You are Locked On Cardinals. Your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Locked on cardinals alex clancy here follow me on twitter at clancy's corner follow the podcast at locked on az cards thank you for making locked on cardinals your first listen free wherever you get your podcast and on youtube part of the locked on podcast network your team every day please go to the youtube channel search locked on arizona cardinals hit that subscribe button man Can it today's episode is brought to you by fanduel make every moment more right now new customers get 150 dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar bet That's 150 bucks. If your bet wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So there's a couple interesting things that I want to discuss today. I mean, everything I say is interesting. Come on, let's be honest here. But when you're looking at, you know, number four overall, uh, there's just so many different layers. There's so many different layers to what could happen. What could happen definitely between now combine pro days things like that and the draft free agency everything like that i understand and i will pivot to free agency here soon it's just i feel like right now well uh, this is true the cardinals have a lot more control over what they can do with number four overall pick than they do in free agency and by having control it's like you know I, i'd like to go sign this player cool so probably with 20 other teams but with the fourth overall pick and I'll discuss two different options for if Marvin Harrison Jr. goes before the Cardinals at four, there's five players (laughs) that they need to be ready for to draft. I mean, it's, it's a lot smaller sample size and obviously depending on position, et cetera, but I will pivot to free agency soon. I just think that it's, um, There's so many different possibilities for the trajectory of this team that start with the fourth overall pick and what they choose to do with it. A lot. Some of it's out of their control, obviously with who's taken in the top three, but you know, there's, it's just going to be fascinating. It's going to be wildly fascinating. So uh say it goes, a combination of Kayla May Drake, uh, Caleb Williams, Drake May, and, and Jaden Daniels, Marvin Harrison Jr. sitting in their lap. I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm about to, Kind of lay on my sword here and say, you know what? All right, it's got to be MHJ at four. I won't call him Maserati if they call if they draft him here. You will never hear me call him that ever. I will call him Marvin. Maybe throw in a Marvy baby once in a while, but I'm never going to call him Maserati. I won't do it. I won't do it. Uh, So option one: say I don't know. New England takes Marvin Harrison Jr. at at three. Then the Cardinals have a couple different. Options. And this first one is sparked by my buddy Brad Spielberger over at Pro Football Focus, who said, as I mentioned earlier in the week, I think it was either yesterday or Friday of last week, that he sees Malik Neighbors as 1A to Marvin Harrison Jr. Like the gap not being that far off. So he said that if Marvin Harrison Jr. is gone at 4, he would just say the Cardinals take Malik Neighbors, which I don't, my brain can't process that yet. I've watched plenty, you know, film. I watched a bunch of games of uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. over the last couple seasons. I watched some league neighbors. I, you know, I watch Jamie Daniels fun to watch. That offense is fun because the defense has been terrible for a couple seasons. So, you know, they're going to put up a lot of points. Jamie Daniels is great with his legs, great with his arm. You know, he's really blossomed down in the bayou after, you know, not being able to throw the ball. It seemed when starting his collegiate career now at, at uh, Arizona state, but I can't wrap my head around that. And then, so say it's, Say they decide to stick at four and address the wide receiver position. I think there are three guys who are somewhat interchangeable. with Marvin Harrison Jr. Being a little bit ahead of the pack Malik neighbors. And I think Roma Dunze needs to be thrown in there. You're starting to see him mocked at five more and more over Malik neighbors Roma Dunze six, three is the best receiver on one of the best offenses in football last year. And you know, Malik neighbors, six feet, like what do you want from a wide receiver? Do you want height with great catch radius? Roma Dunze. Do you want guys like like the one thing you want to avoid from a wide receiver? And this is something I never really understood why, for the majority of his time on the field, he runs you know straight go routes or some you know some uh, family member of it is Mike Williams. I think he drafted seven by the Chargers out of Clemson. He was Deshaun Watson's number one receiver, him and Hunter Renfro. And all he does is just run straight, go up, and catch 50-50 balls when, you know, he's not hurt. Like, I don't think that's what you want out of an outside wide receiver solely. Roma Dunze can do a lot of things. So the first thing that the Cardinals could do option-wise is stick and pick at four. Who they choose, that's up for debate. Now, if it's going to be a wide receiver, like if they're like, you know what, we're going to go get a defensive lineman, two pass rushers, and two corners in free agency, and we're going to bolster, if they're saying we're, you know, we're going to bolster the offensive line in the the tail end of the first round and top of the second round, and take the best wide receiver available at four, you've got options. Okay, so that's one option. If you stick and pick it four, and then the other option, if you stick and pick it four, is just draft the offensive lineman of your choosing. I mean, if Joe Alt is there, you take him, I guess. You know, it, this is all predicated upon what they do with Paris Johnson Jr. If they want to, if they want to move him to the left side, or do what they did with Paris Johnson Jr. last year and move Joe Alt kind of out of position, move him to the right side, but then you'll have bookends for the next decade. Set and forget. I don't think you go any other position besides that. You're not drafting pass rusher at four. You're not drafting interior offensive lineman at four. You're not drafting interior defensive lineman at four. You're not drafting Brock Bowers at four. Now, the thing is, I will say this. I will say this, though. Say Drew Petzing was guaranteed to be the offensive coordinator for the Cardinals for the next decade, Brock Bowers would be on the table. Because with this offense being tight end focused, you could have two guys – who would be a lead at their sport. And that's not going to happen. We're not going to have that discussion, but uh the rock needed to be kind of picked up and then kindly and softly drop back down to the ground where we won't be discussing that anymore. But, you know, sticking and picking at four is the simplest of choices, less messy. You'll get a guy of impact. You'll pretty much be ready to start day one, whether it be wide receiver or offensive lineman but is that enough juice for the squeeze for the number all the number 4 overall pick if it's not Marvin Harrison Jr. And we can't scoff at the idea that he will that that he won't be there at 4. We have no idea. We don't know if you know so much can happen between now and the draft. I feel like Justin Fields is on his way out but who knows maybe caleb williams he's probably not gonna cause he's an absolute ego maniac he's probably not going to go to the combine he'll probably have his pro day with his manicured wide receivers and you know area of throwing the ball you know and then you know drake may we'll see like there's no caleb williams is special in many instances in many ways okay And like Jaden Daniels, the defense for both of those teams were awful all year, which in turn allows for stats to be padded a little bit more, allows for a little bit more, you know, room for interpretation with his numbers. So, but here's the thing. He's probably going to be good and he'll probably go number one. Now with Drake May and Jaden Daniels, until Jaden Daniels won the Heisman, there wasn't ever like real consideration, oh, he's going three. The Patriots are taking him. The Patriots, the Commanders, and the Bears have 100% no doubt about it. They're going quarterback. I don't think it's ever been that. I think with Washington, it probably was. But we don't know what New England's going to do. With that, say New England drafts Marvin Harrison Jr. number three, that leaves one of those three quarterbacks, and either Jane Daniels or Drake May, most likely, still up for grabs. Should the Cardinals draft a quarterback? I'm kidding. I joked about that yesterday. If you fall for it today, that's on you. What should the Cardinals do with four if a trade down is in place? I'll discuss that next as we roll on here. Locked on Cardinals, your team every day. This episode of Locked on Cardinals is brought to you by DoorDash. Uh, Here's the thing. I talk a lot about working from home, which is glorious. And I work long hours and I don't, all the time have time to go to the grocery store more than, you know, once, maybe twice a week. So DoorDash is such a beautiful entity for me to be able to get not only food delivered, but groceries to my doorstep where you go online, you download the app, you pick what you want, whether it be a restaurant that doesn't necessarily traditionally uh, deliver, but DoorDash is lined up with them so you can get the food that you want. Or if you need I don't know some eggs and maybe you're baking a birthday cake and you're like, I don't have any of the ingredients because I don't normally make birthday cakes. DoorDash will allow you to sit on your keister at home while it comes to you. And it's, it's something that people don't, I mean, I don't understand why people don't utilize it more. Okay. Like put it this way. So great football game. All right. But as usual, the commercials stole the show. I mean, Let's be honest here. You know, when when you get to a situation like this, where whether it's a game, you know, there's a lot of NBA games coming up. There's a lot, there's March Madness, things like that. You may just want to plop on your couch and watch games and have food come to you. So whatever watch party or anything party you've got coming up, get it delivered with DoorDash. We've got dinner for tonight, groceries for the week or a consolation prize for your sad friends in San Francisco, all on DoorDash. DoorDash, your door to more, head to the DoorDash app to get everything you need delivered. So number four overall of Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't there is fascinating. It's gonna like you for Arizona Cardinals fans. I mean, I feel like it's 90 10 that people want Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, it could be Larry again. Cool. And if that works great. Also, as I've stated all year, You can't control any of this this far out unless you want to trade three first round picks and move up to number one and draft who you want. You have no control over what happens before you in the draft. The Cardinals have zero control. All they can do is have contingency plans in place to be able to make the best decision for the team at that given time, given the information they're given 10 minutes before they're on the clock. so if it's wide receiver like listen they're drafting a wide receiver we've heard nothing like it's it's still so early that you know we've heard nothing money oh it's marvin harrison jr that's it oh it's Roman Dunes. oh it's malik neighbors oh it's joe we don't know but having plans in place that are as strong as the one previous is what makes great teams on draft day look at the chiefs drafting trent mcduffie 21st overall he's an all-pro in his second year from washington don't have to draft the top five but the cardinals are luckily in a position to do so thank you matt prater to where they're gonna have options now marvin Harrison jr say he goes three to the patriots jane daniels is still there let me tell you the teams that are directly that are picking directly after the cardinals chargers giants tennessee atlanta chicago jets minnesota denver Las Vegas. Okay, I go down to 13 for a reason. And I'm not saying the Cardinals should trade back to 13. I'm going down to where there are more teams that need quarterbacks than not just for the sake of this argument, or for the sake of this conversation. So the Giants, Charters, not passing. Giants, probably sticking. Tennessee, Will Levis. Atlanta, maybe. Chicago, no. Jets, no. Minnesota, don't know. Denver, don't know. Vegas, don't know. So there are three, four teams. In fact, one, two, three, four. Four teams. That may very well want to move up and draft Jaden Daniels. So if the Cardinals can trade back, it's almost in a situation where it's like, do you just trade back as far as you can and get a first rounder next year and and two twos, one this year, one next year? If you're not gonna get the guy that outweighs talent-wise, everybody else in his position by a wide margin from people that I trust. Does it matter? Does it matter? Do you trade back and draft Byron Murphy from Texas to plug up the middle of the defensive line and then draft an offensive lineman at 27? Do you draft the apple of my eye, Troy Franklin at 27 out of Oregon? if Marvin Harrison Jr. is not there and you get a sweetheart deal to move back. If Marvin Harrison Jr. goes three overall, I think the best move, like I've said, the move, you know, pretty much <laughs> this entire time is that the trade back is the best move to be able to continue this perpetual motion of having future draft picks. Other teams, future first round draft picks, accompanied by their own, the Cardinals, to be able to build up this roster organically with talent everywhere instead of just one guy who hopefully will work out. So when you look at the trade back options. It's sticky. Because five, six, seven ain't trading up. I would assume. I mean, unless the Giants want to move off Daniel Jones and trade up and drive Jane Daniels, I find that hard to believe. But Atlanta at eight, would you move back from four to eight? Would that garner a first-round pick? Would you get enough capital back to be able to warrant moving back instead of just taking Joe Alt, maybe a pick or two higher than you'd want? So Monty Osborne's going to have to decide. What if Denver and Sean Payton want their quarterback? Sean Payton spent a lot of time in New Orleans. Maybe he knows some guys who knows some guys who are tight with Jane Daniels and they love Jane Daniels. Is trading back to twelve too much? How much would that garner? Would you get a first round pick or two? Would it be worth it to pass on eight elite players to draft a guy at twelve that you know may or may not be a position that you want? What 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 does it look like? In an effort to build this roster out, they are building it out from the studs. So if, if Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't there, it's not as simple as, oh, draft Malik Neighbors, oh, draft Roma Dunze, or is it? Or do you wanna get in the mud of the muck of trading back and having control for future years, but having less control over who they choose this year with their first first round pick? Is New England being mocked to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Mocked like in mock drafts, to force the Cardinals to trade a future draft pick to move up one spot where they're gonna take a quarterback anyways? like Philly moving up to draft Markel Fultz and the Celtics got Jason Tatum when they were gonna take Jason Tatum the entire time. In my humblest of opinion, the best way for Monty Austin, Fort, and Jonathan Gannon at all to be prepared for whatever happens is to have ironclad contingency plans to pivot regardless of what happens before them. And while that seems like, oh, obviously that's what they're paid to do. I promise I'm not gonna discuss the past regime after this year's draft, but that's what we've been conditioned to think people in charge were doing the entire time. So I go back and forth a lot. I critically think a lot to a fault here. Makes my brain melt. But when you look at Marvin Harrison Jr. not being there at three, I think the right option would be, probably depending on package and depending on how far down you have to move, would be to trade back. especially if you can get a future first. It's like, all right, you got two more next year. And you'll still be able to get a player in top 15. Look at how many, I mean, every year. There's a bust or two towards the top. Maybe shouldn't have gone as high. There's a couple gems that fell. I mean, it's just, they need to figure out what the best strategic move, not only, but see the one difference here is, it's not only for the future now, it's also for the now. 2023 was just one vacuum year removed from the real timeline of this team this was the hard reset year now they need to compete this season 2024 free agency draft kyler murray trey mcbride they need to compete this year so you're not kicking the can down the road just to get future capital because you have another year where you can waste away and not have the talent necessary to compete so i wonder if that will play into you know monty oscar and jonathan gannon's thought process where it's like Take the guide four and move the hell on. Decide who you want at 27 to fill another need. It'll be fascinating, but it will be an interesting wrinkle if Marvin Harrison Jr. is not there at number four overall for the Cardinals. All they'll need is a couple of contingency plans in an effort to keep this roster building in a just metric in a natural way to allow them to compete this year and not kick the can too far down the road to look at this year and be like, man, they still need more talent to really compete at the highest level. That's something that just cannot happen after this offseason and draft cycle. Locked on Cardinals, your team every day. Uh, Hassan Redick on the trade block. Is he not? Is he available? Is he not? Conflicting reports. I'll discuss next as we roll on here. Locked on Cardinals, your team every day. This episode of Locked on Cardinals is brought to you by uh, FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet all on your favorite, all this NBA stuff, man. Bet all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays exclusive props like the same game part same game probably parties are awesome because you can do it mid-game and if a player has a really like bad first quarter and you can like the numbers lower than what it was to start the game you can bet the over things like that and you can just string them together it's awesome uh just visit fanduelcom slash on and shoot your shot Fanduel, official sportsbook partner of the nba final segment uh, follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Thanks for making Lockdown Cardinals your first listen-free wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Please go to the YouTube channel, search Lockdown Arizona Cardinals. Hit that subscribe button. Um, Hassan Redick was an interesting name. Hassan Redick, couple wasted years here in Arizona, four. Um, unfortunate. Then went to Carolina double-digit sack season on a one-year deal, and then got his cheese in Philly. Um, Oh, Philly cheese. I didn't even mean to do that. He got – I call money cheese a lot. He got paid in in Philly, uh, made it to a Super Bowl under D.C. Jonathan Gannon, linebacker's coach Nick Rollis. And here's the thing. I uh, gave a little tough love yesterday to Cardinals fans who just see anybody that's not 25 years old – Potentially coming to play for the Cardinals as a money grab for that player and it being a bad contract before anything is even discussed, and I understand the history of the Arizona Cardinals and it being Michael Bidwell, and it, I get it, and I also at this point don't. So I brought up Calais Campbell a few weeks ago. And they're like, no, he's old. No, he's a money grab. No, he's not. He's one of the most beloved Arizona Cardinals ever. He's. A hundred years old, he'd be great for the Arizona Cardinals, veterans for the young players. One of the youngest teams, most rookie snaps of any team last year. Like he'd be perfect. I think Hassan Redick. While this is going to be a short-lived, you know, couple sentences here because there was a completely report that came out. I think Hassan Reddick would be equally as great. He's Twenty-nine years old, he's going to make fifteen million dollars. There's no guaranteed money on his contract left. Trade him, give him, you know, an extension put some guarantee money in there, obviously. And then you have a pass rusher immediately, a Pro Bowl pass rusher who should have been a Pro Bowl pass rusher with Arizona. Then shows that they had no idea how to use him, which unfortunately is exactly what, you know, happened a lot during the last regime. And I will mention the last regime until the end of this offseason because the last regime is the reason why the Cardinals are here. So it's needs to be referred to once in a while or referenced once in a while, to discuss why we're here, existentially, why we're here. It's because Steve Kine was bad at his job and it's because Cliff Kingsbury was bad at his job. So pivoting back, Hassan Redick has a potential, um, you know, b- being potentially available via a uh, trade. Apparently that was a false report. Jordan Schultz came out, um, uh, you know, well-respected insider, came out and said, that ain't true. Hassan Reddick was quoted as saying, you know, he. Last two years have been some of the best years of his life. He's a Philly kid. He went to Temple. Like, so we can kind of pull the ripcord on that. Like, you know, he's not going to be available via trade and he shouldn't be. Like, I don't understand why Philly would ever give him up. But the interesting part about this is we never would have been able to discuss top players at a position as potential trade targets as of, you know, two years ago. This is something that is starting to become unlocked. And sure, they only have $30 million in cap space this year, but they've got a billion next year. The, the New Orleans Saints have negative $80 million dollars in salary cap space. $80 And I can guarantee you they're going to fill the roster in 2024. So the salary cap can be manipulated. Don't just look at the number. So the fact that the Cardinals have the ability, like – The fact that it's being discussed, oh yeah, go get him. This is a perfect time to add veteran star talent to a roster. It will streamline the process without rushing, especially a guy who used to play here. Well, he'd never want to come play here. His years here were terrible. Last regime. It's not excuse, it's reason. Look who the new regime is, starting from head coach down his defensive coordinator, his linebacker coach, who got the most out of him out of any coach in his career. So when you have those tied together, it's like, oh, why would he ever want to come play? Wrong angle. How much? The wrong angle is to look at the Arizona Cardinals the same way as you looked at them 24 months ago. It just is until it's not, but it is. And I understand Cardinals fans who can't get over the past and the past for them could be 40 years. I get it, try don't wait for something bad to happen. Expect good things to happen because even though the Cardinals only won a handful of games in 2023, it was different. It was the first step forward, true first organic step forward this team has taken in five years, seven years, You got to be able to celebrate the small things because how the small things are done is how the big things are done. And that's why I didn't buy it in 2021 when week one, every day as you'll know that I always go back to this game, Tennessee on the road. The Cardinals won by hundred false starts, bad timeouts, bad clock management, field goals, instead of touchdowns, nothing was, nothing was different. Chandler Jones had five and a half sacks and two strip sacks. And the defense was able to lead that charge for the Cardinals to get put up that 40-burger they put up or put the offense in a position to do so. Nothing was different. How you do the small things is how you do the big things. So far, the small things Monty Osford has done have been good. So far, the small things Jonathan Gannon, Nick Rallis, Drew Petsy have implemented have been good. How you do the small things is how you do the big things. And big things are coming, come free agency through the draft into week one of the 2024 season. It's going to be, different, rational, hopefully. And hopefully they do the big things like they do the small things because the small things so far have been pretty good. Alex Clancy, Locked On Cardinals. Without you, there is no me. I'll talk to you tomorrow.